This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Now, Stu, I'm getting I'm getting giddy to jump into it now because I just told you before we jumped on, I was like, this is going to be one. <laughs> it's going to be one, honey. I know when you get that one minute and 16 seconds eating grin that it's going to be bad for Stop. me. It's just, <laughs> I mean, well, it's because I was under a time crunch of like trying to like figure out like what is, you know, what's the research? What's the case we're going to do? And I settled on this one because I knew the story. And I would say that there are there are a lot of cases that we cover on Creep Time, the podcast, that surround like eerie disappearances or missing evidence, as we saw with the previous episode. But I would say it's very seldom that we actually cover the strangeness of someone who was previously thought to be safe. So in other words, maybe think the consummate professional, the academic overachiever, who turns out to be a monster underneath it all. So there is no better way to throw you on your absolute ass <laughs> than with the harrowing true story of Dr. Amy Bishop and how she snapped. Do you know that name? No, Do you know I that? Don't, I don't, but doctor stories really freak me out. Like the Carl Tanzlers, the, mm-hmm. it freaks me out. Was Carl Tanzler a real doctor? He wasn't even a real doctor. He was a he fake wasn't. doctor. No, he was an x-ray tech. Sorry to any of you x-ray techs, but. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that's right. That's right. But there's, I've listened to other. Um, like Dr. Death pod- kind of stuff? Yeah. Yes. And okay. it freaks me the hell out. What I will say, she was not a doctor of medicine. She okay. was, she had a PhD. She had her doctorate. But she certainly liked to let everybody know that her name was Dr. Amy Bishop. In fact, can, this is one where I absolutely need to send you a picture to communicate to you the exact woman we're dealing with. So you just hold tight there, baby. Oh, God. Also, Creepers, how you doing, everybody? How's it going? Hi, Happy creepers. Friday. Creepers. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Okay, take a look at this photo that I'm going to send okay. you right now. And hopefully that spells a story. Oh, <laughs> first impressions <laughs> yikes um that we're still on a trend where the pictures you send me of people it looks like they're wearing wigs i do just want to point that out oh she's lord farquad she is berries is and cream <laughs> they're all sharing it it's like how serial killers share the same glasses they're sharing the same wig now oh god same wig and same it's the same eyes as the turpin dude it's the same. Oh like, my god! I wasn't. I was trying eyes. to imagine. I was like, I wonder who she's talking about. It is the Turpin haircut. It's the Turpin yes. haircut. <laughs> it's the Turpin haircut, and the kind of one eye is a little wonked. Not a little wonked. Well, those those <laughs> eyes are crazy. Those are crazy eyes. Yeah. Yeah. She. I mean, I have a ton of pictures pulled open that I'm going to send you throughout this story. But 
For a top line, for anybody who's not very familiar, Dr. Amy Bishop was a credentialed professor teaching at the University of Alabama Huntsville back in 2010, when at the age of 44, this mother of four children seemed to suffer what we could only assume looked like a psychotic break. Her world fell apart within the school, like within her career. But we would learn from her history, a dark history, which was mostly covered up, that her issues go much further back than previously anticipated. It was a case that shocked the entire state of Alabama how someone who was seemingly sort of put on this pedestal within society, she was a Harvard PhD graduate with a proficiency in genetics, she would do the unthinkable. So are you ready to lose your mind is what I have to ask you, baby. I am ready to lose my mind. And actually, when you just said that, I think what it is, it's that I know that this is somebody with such a capable mind. So the fact that it switches and pivots is going to freak me the hell out. You know, actually, refreshing on the research, I always thought the same exact thing. I was like somewhat like an academic can be a very dangerous mind if it's an unstable mind. But after doing the research, there's so much contention around her actual academic ability and also like previous um, ties and like levers her family could have pulled. I don't think her family was ultra rich, but her family was definitely connected, I think politically connected, because as we would learn, they kind of swept some stuff under the rug for her in her youth. And then she would end up going to university and then she got her you know, graduate degree and then she got into Harvard, got her PhD. And there were a lot of people who contested her thesis and they were like, this is bull. This is bad. Wow. But some, somehow she got by. Okay, this is going to be very interesting. You will be fascinated. There's a lot of like family lore and like background history that kind of sets up this event, let's call it. But before I'm going to get into all of that, I just want to say welcome back, everybody, to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu. We are back for another episode. Hi, everybody. Hi, creepers. Ah, oh, it's been a minute. We miss you guys so much. I just I did this. Like- Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> Say, I feel like the creepers, the creepers are my Valentines this year. Mine too, baby. And you know what? <laughs> They'll show more love than anybody. I just did this thing on Insta where I was just like curious. I was like, what fields of work do you guys work in? And I maybe I should read some for you. Do you want to hear some? Oh yeah, of course. I know we've got we've had some nurses. We've had, or maybe I'm just thinking about somebody. No, I think you're right. Birth. We know we've definitely okay. had nurses. We have a lot of folks who work in the medical field. Let me see. So I see nurse practitioner. I see therapist. I'm sure they'd do a number on us. Yeah. Preschool teacher, a postwoman, a retail buyer, Love. health research, and a state's lawyer. I'm going to need your number. <laughs> Let's see. Nursing, early childhood education. This was so, this was exciting for me. I love to look yeah. through these because it just, I don't know, it creates more of, um, I feel like I know them even more when I see this stuff. I know. Um, a chef, love that. A horse trainer, also going to need your number. For love me. that. <laughs> for me, by the <laughs> Healthcare, mental health. I also realized from this how many of them actually aren't working yet and how many were like, high school is my job. Middle school is my job. Oh, baby. <laughs> Not middle school is my job. <laughs> Please imagine us in the background as someone's studying for AP US history. But the thing is, it's true. It's we, yeah. we, we're there. 
I, I would love, I wish we could, we had like a, a bird's eye view of all the random places we've shown up in. I know we're there when people are cleaning, when they're cooking, but yeah. let's see, sixth grade math teacher, finance. <laughs> this one says high school and it's just a gun. It's just a no. Yes. Oh, hang in there. Oh, um, insurance. Someone goes unemployment. I feel you, baby. Mm. <laughs> Rebecca, baby, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought that'd be a fun way to like kick things off. But of course, thank you to everybody who stopped by to listen for a Friday episode. Please make sure that you stick around so that you can follow the podcast. Check out the show's post on Reddit after this episode. I'm going to have all of the pictures that we're going to talk about up there right after the show drops. And make sure that to leave us a review. We always appreciate those and they really help the podcast to grow. But also, before we get into anything, we got to talk about Magic Mind, honey. Magic th- freaking mind. We got the magic freaking mind. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which okay. I kept thinking you were going to send me or we were going to get sent a little magic mic, but magic mind. Ma- no, magic mind. Had- well, first of all, they're in Sprouts now. And I live like right next to a Sprouts. And I was like, oh, that's ideal as hell. For anybody who doesn't know what this is, they're basically, so you know I was trying to cut back on coffee. You know about this, right? I think I know, the creepers know, whenever they hear the pot go off, I was gonna pot say, number three or four I'm like, of the what day. what gave it away? Was it the the beeping of pot number five on this podcast that said yeah. I, I need to like take a step back? But basically, I wanted to cut back on coffee, but I really didn't want to see a dip in my energy level. So... I was really fortunate that Magic Mind initially reached out to us and they were like, oh, we'd love to send you something. So they sent over these little shots. They're basically like, think of them like mental health performance shots that people are calling them elixirs because whoever created this, it took them 10 years to formulate it. It's something that you take, like you shoot it in the morning and as like a substitute for caffeine or coffee or anything you're going to have in the AM. Immediately within the first like 30 minutes, I feel more focused. I feel alert, but I don't feel anxious and jittery. Do you feel that like when you tried it? Yeah. Well, I felt like I just had more sustained alertness. Like, whereas I feel like with coffee, I have to keep having pot. Well, you pot after pot for me, it's cup after cup, but I just, it's going in the arm IV. I'm on an (laughs) IV drip, (laughs) which is also bad for me because I feel like with each cup, I get really anxious and I didn't feel that on magic mind. I felt like I just felt alert and clear like my whole morning at work. Do you also crash when you drink a lot of coffee? Because I do. Yes. I crash hard. That was like one of my biggest things where I was like, I'm curious, one, if this is actually going to perk me up. But I was also like, am I going to crash like I do with coffee? Not a chance, mama. It's it's so simple, too. It's just a tiny little shot. There's 13 specially crafted and expertly sourced ingredients. So you just basically shake, you shoot it, and they say you flow. Because right after you shoot it is when it all kicks in. So... I was just excited that they wanted to partner with us for the podcast and they wanted to basically give everybody who's listening a little gift. So this blew my mind, but they sent sent it over in an email. I was like, dang. So Magic Mind, (laughs) they would like to let everybody who is listening to Creep Time, the podcast, have a try for Magic Mind. So you can go to magicmind.com slash creep time and use our code. Guess what it is? Creep time. You will get up to 56% off your subscription only within the next 10 days. I have never in my life seen a sponsorship or like anything like that that gives you 56% off on your first order. It's a little crazy. Yeah. That's I might, amazing. I might, I might use it myself. <laughs> I'm yeah. Gonna have to, 
Once you run out of the supply, go back, you little hack. I know. Well, it's only good. It's only good for ten days. They they're like you get ten days of this. So I was like, dang. So thank you again to Magic Mind for sponsoring this podcast. We're really excited to share this with everybody. And with that, I think we are good to shift in, honey. Are you ready? From Magic Mind to Scary Mind, I'm ready. It's going to be a big shift. Let's start with some backstory. I think this is good to start with. A, I know I usually skim through like some of like the setup and the exposition with Dr. Amy Bishop. We need to go a bit deeper and really understand like what made this person's brain. So who exactly was Dr. Amy Bishop? What is her story? How did she become the woman that she is? So Amy Bishop was born actually in Iowa City, Iowa on April 24th, 1965, which would put her at 44 at the time where all of this goes down, her breakdown, right? So... She then moved up with her with her family to Massachusetts, and she would attend the Braintree High School. Yes, it was just Braintree High School and completed her undergraduate degree eventually at Northeastern University in Boston, where her father was actually a professor. He worked in the art department. So from the time Amy was a child, everything I could kind of dig up about her was that she was described as sort of an isolated young woman. Like she really was, both her and her brother, it was just two of them, were like exceptionally gifted children, but they were competitive mm. with each other. And she in particular was never like him in the sense that she could be social with other people or that she understood other people very well. All she understood was this dynamic and favoritism from the family and what her brother's success meant to her as a threat. So she was also described as having this very short temper, which we'll see again for later instances when we talk about her life as she got older, after she got her doctorate, and she had a difficult time kind of controlling her emotions. Can you tell that from the picture of her? Does that, uh, does, the picture, <laughs> does the picture, does the picture, is it worth a thousand words, honey? Yeah, I would say so, especially the first one. Well, she... It was mostly triggered by people who would challenge her, which I thought was really interesting. So anybody who would wrong her, who would belittle her, who would stamp on her achievements, it would trigger this like fury inside of her. In fact, a lot of the people, even as she became an adult and a working professional, they were afraid of her, which I thought I think was fascinating. Like for someone to have such palpable anger and such a short temper, a short fuse, that their coworkers were are fearful of them. That's damning. Well, it's amazing that she, you know, was able to hold a job and clearly, uh, you know, climb the ladder to become a doctorate level, you know, professor from Harvard. I mean. Yeah, well, she's she's dismissed from quite a few positions, actually. She goes through a period of time. Okay. And this is interesting when you'll hear about like some of the financial woes between her and her husband, because she when she eventually gets married, she did not allow her husband to work for the majority of their marriage. He was a house husband. Oh, so wow. she okay. was the, so she there's was a lot of control. A lot there's a lot of control. There's a lot of like asserting dominance. And I mean, from from the outside looking at it, I was like, she sounds like a badass, kind of. But I don't want to, <laughs> I do not want to put that forward in the full context of the story. But just from like the initial reading of it, I was like, hell yeah, get your house husband, honey. Get your house right. husband. <laughs> but it's it's certainly a staple of her personality that like she got married, she did not take his last name. She actually made him adopt a different name. I'll get into this in a little bit. It's very interesting <laughs> what they did. And then she was insistent. She was like, you can do projects, but you will stay at home and raise our children. She was going to be the breadwinner. 
they were going to be riding on her success, her notoriety. So we have all of this setup. We know that from the time she's a child, she is struggling socially, but it led to a very sinister episode, which is described as one of the most tragic in her family, possibly at the hands of her anger issues. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to suggest, yes, this was because of her, although it is eventually painted as an accident. On December 9th, 1986, Amy Bishop, then just 20 year, 21 years old, actually, fatally shot her own 18-year-old brother, <gasps> Seth, in their home. This was in Brantree, Massachusetts. She fired two shots from a 12-gauge pump-up, or sorry, pump-action shotgun. That's a big blow. Like, a shotgun? A shotgun can, like, destroy a whole body if it's shot, like, right. directly at the chest. So... What they later found was that there was one shot into, like, her bedroom wall and then one that did go directly into Seth's chest, which killed him. She later left the home, allegedly, and was, like, pointing the gun at pedestrians and tried to steal a car from people who were at a car wash or something. A lot of this is very murky because, as we'll learn, this was basically painted to police as an accident, right? A misunderstanding. So Amy Bishop and her mother eventually go on to tell police that the shooting was an accident and police found a live round in the gun's chamber, meaning that Amy Bishop must have racked its like slide after shooting her brother. So if it was an accident, like she had accidentally shot her brother, clearly she had set the gun up to then go shoot again. She just left the home after, right? I'm like, any shotgun knowledge here? I would assume so. Yeah, well, I would also just think, you know, logically that if you accidentally shot someone, you would probably drop the gun and be like, oh, my God, like you wouldn't go back to put more bullets in it. Yeah, or leave the home and then go try to try to steal a car from some people, you know, like the whole thing. But a lot of this, a lot of it got swept under the rug. So basically, after a brief inquiry into the incident uh, by the Massachusetts State Police in 1986, they repeated the Brantree Police Department's initial assessment that the shooting was accidental as the result of possibly an argument or she was flustered or she was trying to figure out how to load the gun and asked him for help and then claims it accidentally went off and shot him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's what they claimed. And the reason that it was backed up and why police initially accepted it was mostly because her mother testified as a witness to say like it was an accident i saw it um so she essentially gets away with murder like killing her own brother in their home at 21 can you imagine that like what kind of dynamic that family must have been like i also i just wonder what and i know you probably don't have this but like what because as someone you don't just like pick up a shotgun and like know how to fire it and load it like i wonder if she Mm -hmm. used guns previously if she grew up with guns so what was Um, super i found something super interesting i'm gonna send you a picture of her brother right now as well and i'll send you a picture of her when she was around 21 Mm. but again yeah her brother was younger like creepers just the the difference between the photo of her and then the photo of her brother. I mean, her brother looks like he's he's super smiley and light behind the eyes. And she definitely does not have that same quality in the photos that you sent me. Um, yeah, Well, that was like a, a big thing of what I was reading in this research was really 
they again they were neck and neck and very competitive in terms of academics in terms of like they they both you know played music but the one advantage he always had over her where she was living in the shadow of her younger brother was that he seemed to be just quicker at picking these things mm-hmm. up and he was also a very social kid and she wasn't and i think that killed her inside for a long time so there's a lot of questions about you know was how premeditated was this gunshot to basically remove her brother from the equation. So by 1988, those files, everything about the police report, they had mysteriously been purged from the system, and there seemed to be no record of the shooting after that. So she's kind of walking out of that with a clean slate. And it's not completely clear, although it is suggestive, like I said, that she came from money and definitely came from a well-connected family. I wouldn't say a powerful family, but I guess if you're getting your kid off for murder, you must be somewhat powerful. But from what I was reading, it sounded like her father might have had some friends in high places um, in Massachusetts. Mm. So that definitely swayed things a little bit because allegedly when a report later came in that she was going to get off and she got to walk free, the police department that arrested her, they were furious because it was so clear because they were the ones who had actually been on the scene. So then wherever this came from, It came from the top down, the order of like, it was accidental, let her go, it's a tragedy. So Seth is dead. Her brother is dead at 18 years old. Again, she takes no time off from school, continued her education, and she actually goes much further and would gain admission to Harvard University where she would go on to get a PhD with a focus in studying genetics. As a side note, um, there were other things I could find in the report, basically, oh, this is what I said before, talking about like how she held up pedestrians. Um, uh, everything I could find about that was so interesting because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm sure there's a way to like sweep the the firing of the gun and say like, I witnessed it, it was accidental or something. But if there are two other like separate pedestrian witnesses who saw this 21-year-old girl charging at them with a shotgun in a car wash parking right. lot and said, give me your car, I'm kind of confused about how they got like shut up, like how people were like, keep quiet. But totally. Well, remind me, you said her dad at the beginning is he's a well-known professor. He's a professor. Community. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's a professor. Yeah. Professor um, at the same college where she attended and he was a, prof- he was a professor in the art department. So I was trying to imagine, I was like, why, why would he be politically connected? But who knows? donors and you know all that 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 definitely does come with the territory of being a you know higher education a higher educator i guess yeah absolutely i mean i'm there was certainly some way in that they they had to like help her out right and protect her so again those records disappear so how are we doing so far just with like thinking about amy's situation and her dynamic and who she is even from like 21 well, this whole shotgun thing, especially the ele- first of all, I thought it was weird enough that she accidentally, quote unquote, you know, shoots her brother with the shotgun. But then this whole other element of charging pedestrians with a shotgun, a 21 year old girl that's in college that's supposed to be like, you know, kind of having the time of their life, or even if, mm-hmm. you know, she is more of like a shut in. That dynamic, that the whole rage element just doesn't make sense to me. Where is that coming from? What is that? 
it's almost, I mean, you'll see this again for different parts of the story when we talk about like these outbursts that she has when her temper like goes off. It's like she sees red. She almost mm. blacks out. You know what I mean? Like she is to ch- like, you're right to charge pedestrians with a shotgun. You're in a different state of mind, you right. know, as opposed to someone and- who you can imagine sitting down as a professor, you know? Right. And as somebody that young. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's alarming, but I'm going to keep pushing on. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So where are we at in the story now? So Amy, now Dr. Amy Bishop, she's no longer living in her brother's shadow, of course, because he's been dead for several years. He, like I said, was a natural in school, specifically in mathematics. So Amy would go on to become, you know, a Harvard graduate when she wanted to focus on genetics. I think specifically because when she was younger, again, something that she had like under her brother was that she suffered from a lot of medical issues as a child, specifically just a lot of allergies and asthma. And I think it debilitated her quite a bit to the point where she felt that even her younger brother was stronger, more powerful, more athletic, more social, all of these things that she could never be. But again, that's what prompted her to want to go into this field, right? So she finds her partner while she's in university before she actually got her doctorate. His name was Jimmy Anderson. They met at Northeastern and they met in the Dungeons and Dragons Club. <laughs> so uh, she definitely strikes me as somebody who might be interested in Dungeons and, Dra- and Dragons. <laughs> sure. The dichotomy of just being able to kill your brother, but also go to Dungeons and Dragons Club oh, is God. just wild. So while they're there, they get together. Like I said before, and I was kind of hinting at, it is very clear that Amy held complete dominance in this relationship. She refused to call him Jimmy, even though even his family knew him and called him Jimmy because she thought it was very low class and she thought it made him sound like a redneck. And she said to him, she said, I am never going to, my partner will not be a redneck. You know, your name is James. And when she eventually goes to meet his family, they're a little weirded out by that because they're like, why is she calling you James? Like, we we all call you Jimmy. Nobody calls you James. But she was insistent, your name is James. So they get married eventually and coincidentally got married at the same church where, I guess not by coincidence, but it's the same church where they held her brother's funeral, like, just a few years prior. Oh, this has already got some very odd layers. Like, the whole going into genetics thing, when you have this biological brother issue, is already weird. Now we're having it at the same church. It's like, baby, it feels intentional. When she eventually has children, her only boy that she has, she has four kids, she names him Seth after I the brother. I was going to say, I know it's going to be the brother. Layers. Psychological Ooh. layers. Therapists, where are you? We need you to chime yeah. in, please. Please. Dr. Amy Bishop. Oh, I'm also remembering, because when I first covered this case on TikTok, I forgot to say University of Alabama, Huntsville. People, You would have thought that I, I was like making an, an assassination declaration. Like People wanted to end my life. They oh were my God. so angry with me for doing that, like like missing that. Because it was probably like Bama talk. 
Yeah, it, it was Bama. <laughs> it was Bama talk, and they were like, "That's Huntsville." <laughs> I was like, "Give me a break, y'all." <laughs> so, again, she's married. They have the wedding ceremony in the same church where her brother was, you know, buried. Has funeral. So she kept her last name, like I said before, and she just wanted complete notoriety. I think that was the whole thing, was that she wanted to be known for her accomplishments. She never wanted to share that with anybody, especially someone as lowly as her husband. So like I said, she also wanted her husband to stay home. She would work and he would stay home when they would eventually have kids to raise them. So thus far, we're getting a sense of like her style, but then... (laughs) Then eventually things turn a little more sinister, I would say, on the professional side of her life. Amy had her doctorate. She moved on to a fellowship at Harvard. And at this point, she had already had three of her eventual four children. So, so far she has all daughters. There were whispers among her colleagues and even the students at the time that Amy was kind of known to be very unhinged. And many people felt like her work and specifically her thesis where she got her doctorate at Harvard, they were just kind of dramatically below par, right? Like by the time that she was at her fellowship, she had multiple accounts on record of altercations with other colleagues, with students, public arguments and outbursts. And it was very clear that she could not manage these severe anger issues. And she did not like anyone to challenge her or challenge her work. So she eventually went on to receive poor performance reviews for her work in the lab. And they believed that she was below the standards of her colleagues. And eventually it kind of led them to like have a sit down meeting with her and they convince Amy to resign in 1993. This did not bode well. Let's, let's start there (laughs) on on December 19th. I know. So her superior, this was Dr. Rosenberg. He was actually the one who sat her down and he was like, you are not coming in at where we need you to come in. And there are just too many instances of you sort of dropping the ball or having an outburst or you can't work with people it would be more appropriate if you just resigned versus us having to terminate your position. So that's what happened. But on December 19th, this is 1993, so this is around the era of the Unabomber. And I think this is where this idea came from for her. This guy, her superior, Dr. Rosenberg, received a mysterious package at his home. And when he began to open the package from the center of the cardboard, he immediately saw wires inside. So he steps away from the package and contacted the police and they sent in the bomb squad. He had been anonymously sent a collection of two pipe bombs that were homemade with enough power to basically eviscerate his entire home, kill both him and his wife. They had to evacuate the entire block. Now, eventually, when they thought this might have been the Unabomber, the FBI came in, they looked for clues. They ruled that out. They were like, this was not him. So... They were trying to think, you know, who would have sent this to you? Who would have had reason to send it to you? And timing-wise, this aligned almost perfectly with the forced resignation of Amy Bishop. So he names her. So I think what happened was they did like a raid of her home and they found some compelling evidence. Like they literally found like a receipt for like an electrical switch from Radio Shack, like all these little things basically in like the home, in her office desk, her husband's office desk. But it wasn't enough to charge her right? But it was. It seemed pretty clear that it was probably her and her husband who conspired to create a bomb to kill the man who made her resign. This is back in 93. Her breakdown doesn't come till 2010. 
Oh, God. You have to have so many wires. Sorry, no pun intended. Uh, uh, wires that are crossing pun fully your intended. brain. Fully intended. Give the pun, baby. So, <laughs> so many wires crossing in your own brain that your first thought is, I'm going to get back at my boss by dropping a bomb on it's- their doorstep. Like, that is crazy but you see what i mean though like it's the extreme reactionary nature like that and that's so to build a bomb that is so incredibly reactionary and crazy that that's just her brain that's her okay so i know that i am not at all you know qualified to make any sort of diagnosis and also to our mental health and professionals and therapists that listen check me but it's almost like I feel like borderline personality disorder tends to have this where it's like all of a sudden you kind of just it's like rage up or is that a, a different thing? I It almost I mean, I can't I'm going to speak out of turn because I have a very limited knowledge. My knowledge of borderline personality is that I think it has more to do with your relationships to people in terms of like. I'm either all in for one person or the second oh, that right. I'm. Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. The you're second right. I'm not, it's the walking on eggshells thing. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And the mind, second you mind. cross me, it's like extreme, like opposite end of the spectrum. These were like, yeah. it seems like she has lulls where she can kind of coast and sort of exist in the world of academia. And then something triggers her and she has just rage beyond comprehension where she wants to kill people. Yeah. It's, it's menacing. It's really crazy. Oh, you just reminded me. Speaking of like creepers who are like mental health folks who chimed in, somebody chimed in. Actually, a few people chimed in about the the Aunt Diane episode and put forward um, a really, really interesting theory that I wanted to run by you. So because she had a two-year-old, they were curious if, how long do kids breastfeed? Just curious. (laughs) Well, they shouldn't breastfeed. I mean, there are some people that breastfeed their kids for a long time. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like typically it's like by the time you're like 18 months. I, I mean, that's kind of close. It's like a year and a half, right? Yeah. So what they think is she might have been breastfeeding the two-year-old daughter and the, she had just weaned her off of breastfeeding. But that creates a chemical change in your brain because your mm-hmm. your hormones are changing quite literally. And you can have... I think what they referred to it as um, postpartum psychosis. And this would have been right in the time frame where like Diane might have been slipping because a lot of people who, you know, are proficient in, in this, this field, they were saying usually like schizophrenia or any kind of like psychotic behaviors, they would emerge like in your early to late twenties. So mm-hmm. it seemed kind of rare that someone who was like actually on the, the higher side and close to like 40 would start to present psychosis so late in life or psychotic behaviors. So this could have been postpartum psychosis that she was slipping into. And then it just went completely downhill one day. Interesting. Um, I don't, I'd I almost mean, never heard so, of it. I, I've never heard that either. But now that we have so much education around postpartum, I mean. There's, I, there's still not enough. So yeah, there's definitely not enough. I mean, it's, I just feel, I mean, the stories that I did read after I was reading about postpartum psychosis and just postpartum depression in general and like how, mm-hmm. I mean, very normal women can suddenly just snap into a into a state of reality that is somewhere else. Like women kill their children. Like, uh, and I, I was reading a story about a woman who threw her children out of a window. She was suffering from postpartum psychosis and had actually 
brought it up to her doctors and they had basically they had failed her they, you know they they were reluctant mm-hmm. to prescribe medication or treat it with seriousness or convey how serious it could be yeah there's such a like thank god we're getting over the stigma that's been just kind of negative about postpartum anything for so long because it's so real the hormonal switch that i mean i've never been pregnant but you know having hormones fluctuate my entire life like mm-hmm. i know that that's got to be such a thing and to think for so long people just didn't acknowledge that that was actually happening for women or it got brushed under the rug so of course that's a really yeah. interesting theory about aunt diane i i mean it was compelling when i read it because it's so nonsensical that you almost have to and that would be something that i don't know that you could see from an autopsy of a brain right you can't right. look into someone's psyche in that way but yeah yeah i thought it was fascinating um yeah of course of course any medical problem that doesn't pertain to men just gets swept under the rug we've got 6000 mm. different pills for viagra but god forbid <laughs> a woman who's postpartum can't get an antidepressant i know so back into Amy Bishop. <laughs> I'm like, here to take you from one <laughs> horror to another. <laughs> All right. So we're now shifting into the early 2000s in her story. So Amy, at this point, this is when some of the financial woes come into play. She's basically like struggling to hold a job at various universities. Like she's bouncing around and she's, I mean, to jump down from like Harvard and then eventually start teaching biology at University Alabama Huntsville. Not that that's a bad university, but she made it known to everybody she's like i'm stepping down you're all beneath me and my credentials mm-hmm. sort of thing but it was a it was a long slope because she was getting dismissed from a lot of positions and again don't forget her husband's not working they are dependent on her income so she ends up having her fourth child it's a boy by the early 2000s and this is what i wrote down that she named him af- after her late brother seth and he coincidentally had the same exact birthday as her late brother very, some very weird coincidences with like the brother and this whole thing. I well, I will not go as far <laughs> as to say could it be premeditated in any way, but I mean, there could have been some weird mental thing where she wanted the child to be born around the same time. You never know with all can, these other weird layers. Can I can I say something that's even stranger actually? And I was going to save this to the end, yeah. but. We'll get into the aftermath. Her son, Seth, when he does grow up, he is killed at the age of 20. A homicide. He was shot in what? the chest by someone. Shot in the chest. What a weird coincidence. That is so weird. Very, very odd. And like no relation to like Amy Bishop or any, like it wasn't any yeah. of her doing, but like he just fell in with the wrong crowd and was shot in the chest when he was like 20. That's so bizarre. I know. I know. I like because we were talking about it. I was like, I feel like I have to say this right now to let you know just how coincidental a lot of this is. So then we shift into this. This is what I really wanted to tell you because it's nuts. 2003, we get another incident, a glimpse into Amy's psyche. She is at a restaurant. I think it was like a McDonald's or like an, an IHOP or something. And basically she went in and she needed a high chair because in 2003, she had just had her son and he was still a baby. So she asks the manager or like the host for, you know, can I get a high chair? They say, we're sorry. We just ran out of the last one. That woman just grabbed it. Amy Bishop marches up to this woman and she demanded, you give me that high chair. That's my high chair. And the woman literally cocks her head around and she's like, excuse me? And she's like, no, 
I got this high chair first. It's my high chair. Amy Bishop jumps on top of the woman in this restaurant and starts feverishly punching the woman directly in the face, (gasps) screaming, I am Dr. Amy Bishop. I am Dr. Amy Bishop. Do you know who I am? Repeatedly until she's yanked off by management. She's arrested. And then again, I know, like she's insane. Arrested again mysteriously. Her charges are dropped. And it's like swept. Because you would think like getting all of these jobs, especially working at a university, if you've got a record, that would make things problematic and difficult. Right. Seems to be no issue for Dr. Amy Bishop. Her charges kept getting swept away. I wonder if she somehow like used psychological like manipulation on certain people that helped her get out of it or something. Because I don't know how you do this. She can get herself out of an arrest, but she can't keep. She can't like keep a job. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, maybe that's how she got there in the first place. If a lot of people on the outside were like questioning her work and like whether or not she's actually this this supposed genius, right? Right. She's definitely operating in a different version of reality where she is she is the main character of her plot. She's the star of the show. And crazy, crazy level of entitlement. It's, it's absolutely. I mean, you can look at it. It's crazy. I think you can still look up old Rate My Professor reviews of her when she was teaching. <gasps> it's no. chilling. Because students, I mean, if you were reading it, you wouldn't necessarily think like, this is an unstable woman. You would be like, yeah, she's just like an ass professor. Like, she sucks. Like, it just sounds like she's mm-hmm. arrogant. She's very entitled. She loves to bring up that she's a Harvard, you know, graduate or, you know, got her PhD at Harvard and that everyone's beneath her. <laughs> Are you looking at I can see, I can see uh, your yes, finger. Yes, I'm looking at her pictures again. <laughs> no, 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 not right, my professor. I just wanted to look at her face again because I'm just imagining Do you want another one? Wait, can I send you right another now? one? Hold on. Yeah, please. I'm just trying to imagine <laughs> not you being going, in her lecture please, hall. baby. <laughs> well, apparently Please. she was a she was a really bad teacher. She like would just read the the textbooks verbatim, and she wouldn't really elaborate. She wouldn't answer questions. She would constantly come in with like unannounced tests. Like she just sounds like the worst type of professor. Oh gosh! And that haircut's really not helping. I'm sorry. Yeah, to I was say. gonna say, and baby, the wig never changed. The wig, no, the wig is consistent even to like the prison days. So. Then we are going to shift into her time at the University of Alabama Huntsville because that is really what this is all leading up to, Stu. This is where this all goes down. So again, Amy has had this really bad track record of getting dismissed from various universities. She can't hold a job. She has this arrest because she tackled and punched a woman over a high chair. She gets this offer for a position to be an associate professor or associate professor of biology and even received quite a bit of funding, allegedly over a million dollars for this joint project which she involved her husband in to create what was described as an electric Petri dish. Whatever that means, baby. You tell me. Okay. Well, I know what a Petri dish is, but I don't know why it needs to be electric. Same. I was like, I mean, unless you have to heat it up, but I'm also just like, I don't know, I'm going to lamp or something. So (laughs) she gets this position and this puts her on track for tenure um, with the university, meaning for anyone who's not familiar, she could be permanently placed in a position of academic appointment. It's very prestigious. It's very coveted, of course, because everybody wants tenure because you typically cannot be fired from that position if you're tenured unless there are extraordinary circumstances. Students, as mentioned, did not like her. She was described as extremely arrogant and aloof, and 
they petitioned to have her removed from the university. That's a lot. It takes a, I mean, it takes a lot to mobilize young people, 18 year olds, to create a petition to have you lose your job. You have to be a pretty bad professor, right? Right. So this is the problem. It's like she's on this track for tenure. And when you're on a track for tenure, I think you you owe the university a certain amount of research publications, right? Like you have to publish a certain number of research papers to qualify. And she did not qualify at the end of her 10 years. If you don't qualify within 10 years, they'll typically terminate your position because you're just not valuable to the university and their funding is for not. So Amy, she's barely published by the end of these like 10 years. She only had like five, I think, research papers published. Some of them were in non-reputable journals. I think one of them was even retracted later on or there were like multiple authors to it. So she really doesn't have a good track record. She also released like novels at the time. She was a published author and these those also got scalded and were just horrible. And she's very disliked by her colleagues and her students because she is difficult to work with. She's still volatile and she has these outbursts. So her tenure gets denied. Again, Good. not going to bode well. Yeah. Uh... So she attempted to appeal this, claiming gender discrimination and that the department was out to get her and to challenge her credentials because they were beneath her. So the people who made the decision and her colleagues, the people who spoke up about this, they were standing by their statements. They said, no, she has a troubling history at the university with very erratic behavior. We don't think that she has a grasp on reality. And truthfully, she's an unfit academic to gain this status. So eventually Amy hires a lawyer. She tries to fight the school. And I think the university sent her a letter basically explaining, listen, you have exhausted all of your appeals. The decision is now final. You are not going to get tenure. You are going to be terminated at the end of this semester. Your position will no longer be a part of this university. And then it all unravels. How you doing? I'm very, <laughs> I'm very nervous right now for this university. I also just don't understand. Okay. One, she just, again, with the entitlement thing, everybody's mm-hmm. beneath her. Two, just super self-involved. Like, you, like, isn't the whole point of really becoming this like acclaimed professor to progress things and do the research and do you know like the betterment of the university and the field like and and the novels it's like it just feels so self-serving i don't yeah i don't really know if any of it was ever important to her as much as like the accolades and like the prestige was i think that was it was more about proving to everybody else i'm better than all of you and i always will be and it's all a farce, though, because everybody doesn't think that of you. Why well, would you that's... want? Why would you want to appeal all of this stuff when you know that no one wants to work with you and it no ha- one has the yeah. respect for you? It has to be like a split brain situation where there's a part of her that is operating in a different reality where she's like, I mean, because she thinks all of them are against her. It's the thing. You're and all she's wrong. like, yeah. Well, she's she's like they're against me because they're jealous. They're not as credentialed as me. They they're not as smart as I am. So there's a part of her that definitely must believe that. But there's also a part of her that knows deep down from just her track record, if anybody challenges you in life in any way, shape, or form, you eliminate them. You cut the problem out like a cancer. She learned that from her brother. Hmm. That's so dark. dark. Okay. It's very dark. Send me. I know this is going to take an awful turn. 
It really is. It really is. But I'm so shocked you don't know about this because this was really big news back in 2010. But this is the day of. So the day that this all went down, Amy Bishop, she taught her anatomy and neurosciences class at the University of Alabama in Huntsville in her department. And a student would later say that she seemed perfectly normal, was the quote, during the lecture. Bishop then went to attend a biology department faculty meeting, which was on the third floor of the Shelby Center for Science and Technology. Now, according to witnesses who were in the room, there were 12 or 13 who attended this meeting, and they described it as a very normal, ordinary faculty meeting. And again, everyone there already has the prior knowledge that Amy Bishop is going to be dismissed from her position at the end of the term. So Bishop's behavior initially in the room was described as very normal. I mean, normal for her. Like I said, she has these lulls where she kind of coasts. And then she kind of sat quietly in the meeting. This meeting went on for like 30 to maybe 40 minutes is what people remembered. And Amy's sitting with all of them at the table when she all of a sudden just stands up in the room. She pulled out a nine millimeter handgun just before 4 p.m. and began shooting her colleagues at point blank range a witness said that she did not speak she did not say anything she just started shooting starting with the colleague that was closest to her and then went down the row targeting for heads execution style so of course everybody starts to absolutely panic and they hit the floor people are screaming under the desk a lot of people go into shock because this was like 30 or 40 minutes into this meeting where people had settled in she fired several rounds, um, and then one of these professors, her name was Deborah Morarity, I think is how it's pronounced. She was a biochemistry professor. She said that basically Amy had pointed the gun at her, and she went to pull the trigger, and she heard a click. So the gun either jammed, or she just completely ran out of ammunition. And then Amy Bishop looked at the gun, almost like she was angry at the gun. Like, how dare you not work, sort of thing. Like, again, different world, different plane of reality. But because she had this window, immediately another professor, Joseph, and this woman, Deborah, they took the opportunity to subdue Amy and basically shoved her with all of their strength out of the room and closed the door. So at this point, there are three people on the floor who have been shot in the head and are clearly dead. There are three more who are injured, and they finally got her out of the room, and she just started going ballistic, like screaming, banging on the door trying to barge in, trying to slam her body into the door. And then she just took off, just walked away. So, of course, this is an on-campus shooting. This is an emergent situation, and it's very clear like something was going down. There were only like three students in this building. I mean, this was clearly just like faculty only. So police just spiral all over campus because they're trying to basically isolate this. And they're not really sure where Amy Bishop is at this point but they do have word that she is the culprit. What they initially find is that she appeared to have left the gun in the bathroom on the second floor of the science building. Bishop did not have a permit to carry a concealed weapon, so it was first a question of where did she get the gun? She was then arrested just a few minutes later as they found her wandering outside the building. And when they apprehended her, she said, it didn't happen. It did not happen. There's no way. They're alive. There's no way different plane of reality how you doing i don't even like i got full 
body chills when you started talking about the shooting because that takes a certain type of effery to sit there for 30 minutes and know that you're going to do this. So you're you're purposefully like sitting there stewing and like waiting for this awful moment that you're going to have like and taking and like relishing in it. Like I don't think she was sitting there contemplating if she was going to do it or not. I think she legitimately was just sitting there being like just running all the thoughts through her head of like these people don't know who I am and what yeah, like right. what I have accomplished like, like you know what them. I mean? Like look how yes. stupid they look, how complacent yes. they are not knowing that yeah. I'm about to kill all of them. Yes. Minutes from now. That's, and that gave me full chills. Like, oh. Because you're completely disarmed. I mean, especially if you know that Amy Bishop, yeah. she's combative. She's she's hostile. You know, like if you're 30, 40 minutes into like a faculty meeting and she's engaging, she's acting normally. Like she was engaging in this meeting. She was talking, going over like, going over like class schedules and like routine stuff, like admin. And then just stood up without notice and just started firing a gun in this meeting. This what is, is okay. What was going, what I, is going on? I know. I wonder if I had heard about this case actually, because something about it feels like I'm. My brain is sort of remembering little things about it, but her profile now, I mean, it really does kind of spell out like someone that would have been. I mean, she she was at the age of someone that would have been like a school shooter early on. Like, I don't believe that that was an accident yeah. with her brother. It there's absolutely no way. That it was. Yeah. I mean, I could say so, allegedly, but it'd be a crack of shit, So <laughs> it's your opinion, allegedly, baby. It's my opinion, allegedly, but, that she absolutely killed her brother. So, yeah, my opinion, allegedly, as well. So, like I said, she's apprehended. Actually, the first picture that I sent you where she has like wild eyes, that's when she's being arrested outside of the school. It's a very infamous shot of her. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like that's the second that she's cuffed and detained. <sighs> and she's lived, that's when she's saying, it didn't happen. They're alive. It didn't happen. Go check them. They're fine. <sighs> so police then go to Bishop's husband, Jimmy Anderson. And after it was determined, you know, that she had basically called him to come pick her up after the shooting. So here's how this went she killed three people and then was pushed out of the room, shoved out of the room. They closed the door. And then she kind of wandered the building, went down to the second floor, dropped off this gun, just like left it in the bathroom, and then gave her husband a call. And she was like, you come pick me up. So they eventually, they don't charge him. And then I think they eventually go back and interview him and they interview witnesses. They had seen the couple, like Amy and her husband, Jimmy, going in and out of their home with duffel bags on the Friday afternoon before the shooting, which to me kind of sounds like he might have been a co-conspirator. Like, he might have been in on this, mm-hmm. knowing that, like, they're going to have to, like, get out of town sort of thing. And he had also taken her to a shooting range, like, weeks prior to the incident. I'm still just amazed that she has four children and maintains a family. It's, I mean, we don't really know what was going on behind closed doors there, but right. also she's got this house husband, so it sounds like he's taking the brunt of most of, like, the child care because she still had young kids i mean i guess like if her i guess her son was her youngest and he would have been he was born in 2003 yeah he would have been like around 10 just under 10 wow like there's a little kid and then so that goes down but then what they realize is that she might have been 
a conspirator in a whole other thing that was set up in that science building. There was a herpes bomb that was left in there, intended to basically explode and spread the herpes virus all over the building. Now, Dr. Amy Bishop had worked with the herpes virus during her postdoctoral studies, and she had actually written, I think, one of her novels describing the spread of a virus very similar to herpes and how it could basically germinate throughout the world. Police had already searched the premises, and they had only found the murder weapon, and they were never able to absolutely confirm if Dr. Amy Bishop had also booby-trapped the building, sort of as like, I'm going to kill these professors, and then anybody else who comes into that building, if it's a student, I'm going to make sure they get herpes. This is a whole other level of evil weirdness. Dr. Amy Bishop. Insane. So that is the actual day of the travesty of what this woman did. I mean, she is a school shooter. She opened fire on this campus. But let's talk a little bit about the aftermath and how this story sort of comes to an end. So like I said, three faculty members were killed on that day with another three being injured. Only a few students were in the building at the time of the shooting, which is where we got the first reports to police of like there's an active shooter in the building. I don't think they ever could have imagined it's their professor but no students were harmed. A memorial service was held at UHA, or sorry, UAH on February 19th, 2010, in which 3,000 people were in attendance. I do have pictures to send you of the victims as well. And I believe it's in, it's in order. The first three coming from the left were killed. And then I think the other two were just severely injured. Did they ever determine if she, if these colleagues that were next to her, like if they were much closer to her, the ones that she killed or like she worked with more? This whole department and specifically, I think the first few people she killed were instrumental in ensuring Mm. that she did not get tenured. Got it. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were partial, they were to blame for her dismissal. This is so tragic. My God. I know. So after the Huntsville shooting, Bishop was charged with one count of capital murder and three counts of attempted murder. The police confiscated her computer, her family's minivan, and a large binder containing a lot of documents pertaining to this battle she was having with the university. She had secured an unnamed attorney at the time, and she was being held in Madison County Jail without bail because it's a capital murder charge. And then she had a court-appointed attorney named Roy W. Miller. So prosecutors initially came in in Alabama, and they said they were going to seek the death penalty for Amy Bishop. And according to a state law, Bishop was eligible for either the death penalty or life in prison. So on February 15th, A, my birthday, (laughs) during a a closed-door hearing, sorry, that was tacky and Awful. <laughs> no, I was going to say, oh, baby. You go. <laughs> we oh. need to give it something else. <laughs> no, so there was a closed door hearing that presided over, that was presided over by an Alabama judge, and he read out the charges for Amy Bishop. And at this hearing, or after just after this hearing, I believe Amy was placed on suicide watch, which was standard procedure for a case as, which had as much gravity as this. I mean, this was a national headline. And she would actually go on to make a suicide attempt while being held in prison, although she was not successful and did fully recover. On September 24th, 2012, 
Amy Bishop was officially sentenced to life in prison without the possibility for parole. So the Norfolk County declined to seek her extradition. What does extradition mean again? Uh, I know, I know. Um, well, um, if you don't, I don't. I mean, like, we're, we're up <laughs> creek, honey. If I, like. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Extradition, the act of extraditing a person accused of convicting a crime. That's not okay. helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like when like, they just use the word in a sentence that doesn't right. give you any context. Like, I'm like, wouldn't that just mean like letting them get out of jail, like deep, I, like deporting them out of the jail? Um, why would they do that? Wait, or like getting? I mean, okay, interesting. It sounds like here she also so she wanted to go through her a Massachusetts lawyer that she obtained to be tried for her brother's case. For whatever reason. I don't know why. Like she wanted to have oh. that resurrected. I got it. It means she wanted to go back to. So where was the trial again? It was in Alabama. In Alabama. Yeah. Okay. So she wanted to have it somewhere else. So maybe oh, like in Massachusetts. Probably Massachusetts. Yeah. Because like, yeah. eventually, like I said, she wanted to go back there because she it said she wanted to be vindicated. She wanted to vindicate herself in her brother's case, even though it sounded like nobody was really focusing on his murder. Um, although at the time, I mean, those records that were previously purged or like missing of her brother's case, they certainly did dig them up after this. I mean, they mm. found those records and there were a lot of questions. A lot of people who came forward, former police officers, County, there's really no County in the story whatsoever. But as of today, she is currently serving her sentence at the Julia, uh, Tutwiler prison for women, which is in Wetumpka. If that's how you say that Alabama. As of 2020, her security classification is set to medium, so she is not in max security, and her residence is a dormitory and not a cell block. Hmm. So she's living in a nice lady prison, a Martha Stewart type prison. Interesting. And again, I would say, I don't want to say, I mean, her mother did like come into this fold and to testify for her daughter on her behalf and everything. So I would still argue her family has some political ties that could make prison life a bit easier for Amy Bishop. Can I just go back? I'm actually quite shocked that she tried to take her own life. Just it is, it is a bit shocking. Like, yeah. Inflated sense of self. I, but I guess when she realized that the jig was up, I actually, I almost wonder if like they had taken away her ability to heighten her own status. And that was the one thing that had kept her fueled for so long that it was Mm -hmm. debilitating for her to think about carrying on. I kind of, I think there's a reason or there's, there was something that was, um, let's see, it might've actually had something to do with the brother, like reopening that trial. Yeah. Let me see. I'm going to find it. I'd also be so curious if they ever come back to her, like if they do a profile on her as she's in prison, I would almost put Oof. so much money on her being one of those like, um, uh, not um, like model prisoner, but I'm sure she has this inflated sense of self, even in prison that she's like running things and telling people how to do things. I would just be really curious. Yeah, I am curious to think about like what her scenario is like in prison. It does say it here. I just got it. So it was June 18th. Um, This was two days after it was announced that she was officially 
indicted for the murder of her brother because she uh. wanted to have that case reopened so she could vindicate herself, right? And prove like, I am correct. I am in the right. It was accidental. And they were coming after her to say, nope, we found records and we believe that you killed your brother. It was two days after that she attempted to take her life in a Huntsville jail. So I, I think a, lo- a lot it. of, I mean, I really don't know. I think a lot of this kind of like what you hinted on before, there are a lot of psychological layers that have to do with the brother. And it's more than just her sense of achievement, her sense of self-worth. It it has to do with, I think, immense like animosity towards him, but also immense crippling guilt, a lifelong feeling yeah. of guilt and emptiness for what she did that I think has continues to follow her to this day. And what's mind-boggling is like after all of this, the son who she had named after the brother, for him to die at 20 from a gunshot wound to the chest is like the most bizarre full circle moment I could possibly imagine for a case like this. And she's in jail when this happens, right? Yeah, yeah. She's Because she was sentenced in 2012, so he still would have been a teenager. So it's not until he's 20 that which would have been very recently actually i mean like probably in the last couple of years that he was killed and i cannot imagine what she must have thought having to find that out as she's in jail no word (sighs) there's no record of it but sue that is the entirety of the harrowing and absolutely menacing story of dr amy bishop the professor who snapped that was quite the wild ride because I felt like I went through so many chapters of her as a person. I, I know. I feel like I don't usually structure it like that where I'm like giving a yeah, full backstory. Very, well, I love a full backstory, like just to see the inciting incident of the brother and to see how it like continually just kept flaring. Like, honestly, like the rage, yeah. just everything yeah. would flare, flare, flare. And then that f- I did not see the, the shooting coming. My God. I think something I feel so have, bad for those victims. It's it's hor it's so horrific what horrific what happened to them and to think that like she was almost out too. You know what I mean? Like they knew mm-hmm. that she was unstable. They knew that she was a dangerous person. She was operating in a different field of reality. And had they had prior knowledge of her record, had she had a record, you know, that the university knew about, I think a lot of this would have never happened. Yeah, I don't think she would have been allowed on a college campus. Definitely not. Well, I, and I guess we'll never know who it was that maybe pulled the strings for her. I, it has to be her. I mean, it has to be her father when he was alive, for sure, when she had first gotten into trouble. But I just don't believe that a person who's 21 has the capacity to fire a gun into their sibling's chest unless there's something that was very wrong with them much earlier in life. I think when we're talking yeah. about inciting incidents, I think something else must have been happening to her or happened to her when she was very young that created this person. I just yeah. don't know what I, that would be and how it ties into Seth. It's Yeah, it's just got to be something in her brain chemically. It's like she doesn't experience, like, you know, that there's that moment where we get really, really angry where mm-hmm. we could punch our fist through a wall, but... We don't actually want to do that. We just want the anger to like go away. We don't actually want to manifest it into something violent. And it's like she didn't have that. 
that's yeah, that's very true. Again, like I'm this is one that I'm very, very interested to hear what any of the creepers think about who are licensed in the mental health field. I don't need any any of you doing what we do and try to diagnose Dr. Amy Bishop. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Me giving a misdiagnosis halfway through the podcast. I know. I, I, I personally, I mean, I don't think borderline personality could explain her because I, there no. are a lot of people who do have borderline personality. Interestingly, a lot of people who you know live with bipolar disorder who are very, very functional and very wonderful people too, you know, and yeah. very, very well-regulated. I think Dr. Amy Bishop is an anomaly of maybe very, very long, untreated, dangerous mental illness. And I have Mm -hmm. no idea what she could have been diagnosed with. I I guess we'll never know unless we can figure if somebody does try to study her, what's happened to her. Yeah. Please nobody write her letters unless you're a hairstylist and you want to help her out. Oh my get, god. Get that woman a cut because it's it's not it's not good. It's it's like it makes the whole thing almost worse. It's oh god. <laughs> Do you need a break? Not, I'm sorry. not the berries and cream. No. <laughs> You're like, I just need a Jesus break from the berries and cream. I need I a break from from serial killers with these the seventies bifocals or the berries and cream haircuts. I, you so know what I almost line. did today? I almost found you a peeping Tom case. No. I was, I was close oh. to doing it. I was very, I was like, what could I really get that's going to like throw Stu on her ass? And this just happened to be one that I knew a lot about, but I really, really wanted to bring up a peeping Tom case. Do you need to tell it to me? Just absolutely <laughs> throw me on my ass. Tell me we're doing one case at one week and then just <laughs> surprise me with a peeping Tom so I don't have a moment to escape. I know I won't allow you to prepare. In fact, I'm going to make yeah. sure that it's like tailored specifically to you. I'm like, so it's like a two, it's an apartment that's not on the first story. Stop. <laughs> oh God! Listen, like I live on a first floor apartment. I sometimes when it's super late at night and I've watched something spooky, I get very paranoid in this apartment, and I like, I'll just like freak out and feel like I'm being watched through a window or something. Even though that's never happened and it's not logical, but I don't know. You just get like freaked out. You freak yourself out. Oh, absolutely. Well, I actually, the people that live, because there's this um, apartment complex right across from me. Do you have a connecting door? Did I imagine that? I don't have a connecting. Well, it's not a connecting door. I have a a weird little door because I think it was like one way to get into the kitchen. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. There's like a little Uh, tiny door. Okay. It's locked. Um, But there's all these like uh, lit windows like in the apartment that are across from me and i'm always like who's there like so like sometimes i'll just see the lights go on and i'm like like who's watching me who's there oh because they're at like eye level with you like your apartment yeah yeah Yeah. i i feel that too well because i'm ground floor and like my apartment does face like other bungalows and other apartments every time i come out of the shower it is a show for the masses because i'm i'm (laughs) usually looking to try to find like a towel or something or like grab something from the dryer and I have my shades open. Like, I have my blinds open. So, yeah, it's a full spectatorship. It's a show. It's a show. <laughs> it is a Las Vegas, like, front and center showgirl Dita moment Von for Tease, me. baby. I am. But the thing is, I look anything <laughs> like Dita Von Tease. God, I come out looking. I come out of that show. I'm looking like Roz from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> giving my best, like, burlesque down this walkway. <laughs> 
Maybe you know, that's, that's the- why the ice cream truck man comes by every night <laughs> just to get that. My name's Gypsy Rose Blanchard. That's foul. That, okay i'm going off the deep end i'm gonna cap it there thank you so much sue for listening to this case thank you to the creepers for tuning in for another friday episode thank you again to magic mind for sponsoring this episode of creep time the podcast and for now we're gonna say goodbye and good luck y'all <laughs> good luck to all of y'all really <laughs> yeah <laughs>